Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. People tell me that I'm crazy, I tell them that's exactly it I've got reasons for my absence People tell me that I'm burn out Hey guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I hope you guys are having the best day. You guys are in for quite a real treat with this episode. I have Terry Cole on and we are talking all about boundaries. She has a book coming out on April. You guys should go pre-order it. It's called Boundary Boss. I will have the link in the description. I absolutely loved having her on. I loved our conversation. She was so helpful. Boundaries are actually like one of my favorite topics, oddly enough. And I'm just so excited to have her. If you guys didn't know, Terry Cole is a licensed psychotherapist and global leading expert in female empowerment. For two decades, Terry has worked with some of the world's most well-known personalities from international pop stars to Fortune 500 CEOs. Terry has a gift for making complex psychological concepts accessible and then actionable so that clients and students achieve sustainable change. Again, she has a book coming out on April 20th called Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. So go pre-order that book. I already have. I'm so excited. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, join the Facebook group, follow the Instagram. Um, But without further ado, let's get into the episode. You have the most soothing voice I've ever heard. I was just listening to your podcast as I was making my matcha, and I'm like, this... (laughs) This is what I need. I feel so relaxed. I hear that a lot from people. It's so funny that so many people are like, I love your podcast, but really, I love your voice. (laughs) (laughs) You were made for podcasting. Oh my gosh. Okay. So can you give a little background, a little bit about you, your story and what you do? Sure. I'm a licensed psychotherapist. I am a master coach. I am the founder of the Real Love Revolution and Boundary Bootcamp, which are my signature female empowerment courses. I also did an amazing course called Crushing Codependency with Mark Groves, which is a co-ed course. But most excitingly, I have a book that's just coming out called The Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. So that's what I'm doing now. Is that what you wanted to know? (laughs) Yeah, that was perfect. I was so excited when your team reached out because I am really fascinated by boundaries. I love talking about boundaries. I think it's my number one thing I talk about with my therapist weekly. And I don't think it's something I really knew much about until the recent years. And I think it's something that needs to be taught when you're really young. And it's just unfortunately isn't. What made you want to focus on boundaries? Well, part of it is that, you know, what do they say about teaching, right? You teach what you most need to learn. So I was also had a long, I had a long therapeutic journey, not just as a therapist, but of course, as a client, since I was 19, I've literally been in therapy for decades because I love it. But I also saw in my own life 
that I was a boundary disaster in my young life, very much a people pleaser saying yes when I wanted to say no, being really dialed into being nice, wanting to be liked, you know, and this is what we learn from our families. But, you know, you get to a point in life when you get into your 20s where all of that abandoning of yourself, because that's really what it is, and all of that not being known by the people who you love and who love you, because if you're saying yes, when you want to say no, they don't really know you. So there was two phases to my own boundary boss journey. My own personal journey that was so painful that I had to do it, right? I had to, in therapy, be like, I'm unhappy about these things. I feel like existentially lonely in my life. And then when I became a therapist, which is after I had been a talent agent for supermodels and celebrities, right? This was really a second or third career. I became a talent agent I mean, almost two and a half decades ago, wow, I started very young, that I started seeing the exact same journeys. So I would take copious notes. Most of my clients were very similar to the way that I was. Big careers, go get them, just get something done in your life, ambitious. But there was pain underlying their stories. And what I came to find out was that so many of those pain points all led back to this lack of knowledge around how to effectively draw boundaries with ease and grace, as I like to say, but also, you know, the subtitle of the book says, right, talk true. Like we're literally taught to not talk true as being raised as women. So it was my, my client's journey and wanting to help them and seeing so much similarity that made me just go, this is like a language. I could become an expert. I could become so fluent, and I did, that I could then teach other women in particular. I mean, I teach lots of people, but you know, my main audience are women, how to do this in their life because there's so many myths around boundaries that people think if you have good boundaries, you have to be a bit, you have to be mean, you have to be rejecting, you have to be confronting people, which isn't true. So that's what, to answer your question, long way around the barn to get back to why boundaries, why me? (laughs) It was like a two pronged approach because there was such a profound need for this book. I am not exactly sure where this is from. This is something I think from your website, but it says break free from over-functioning, over-delivering, people-pleasing, and ignoring your own needs. You can finally live the life you deserve. And when I saw, I mean, I definitely like over-function, but when I saw over-delivering, that's something I had never thought about before. And that is me 1000% with people. I always go the extra mile and I, especially in relationships. And it's not necessarily that I expect that of other people because I really don't, but I expect that of myself for other people sometimes. And then of course, when you don't have boundaries, I mean, it's just, it's like a ticking time bomb and it's a whore, it's a really slippery slope. But when I read that, I was like, I had not even thought about that being a problem and it definitely is. It's really crazy. I, just reading that alone, I was like, oh my God, that is definitely me. Well, let's talk about that because here's the thing about over-delivering. You know, usually, and you're, you're one of them, honestly, you know, Kenzie, it's like we are highly capable women, like can get things done. But what you're lacking, if you're over-delivering and over-functioning sort of indiscriminately, What is lacking is the discernment of who is in your VIP section of your life. Because I want you to think about 
your VIP section as the people who there's mutuality, right? They, they go the extra mile for you too. So there should be an expectation that there's mutuality in your friendships and in your love relationships and in some family relationships and maybe not family. It depends on your family and how close you are and whatever, because there's nothing wrong, right? With being, giving things 110%. But if you're not discerning about who you're doing that with, so visualize yourself, you have a VIP section, you want people in that section who there's mutuality. They fill up your bucket. You fill up their bucket. It's not just anyone. So you're the bouncer. You've got the guest list for your VIP section. But if you don't know that, then you may let any old person come in and just plop on down in those very important seats of your life because they feel entitled. You know, maybe someone, you know, you, you had a friend from grammar school who's like, but you're my best friend. And you might not feel like Betty is your best friend. And it's more of an obligation and it's more of what you can do for Betty than what she's doing for you. So I think the concept, the, the, where we want to focus our attention is, have you made the guest list? And it's okay to not have every person in your extended family, according to me, in your VIP section. doesn't mean we cut them off in life. It just means... Who are you twisting yourself up in a pretzel for and lighting yourself on fire for, rearranging your schedule for, going out of your way for? Do that mindfully with care and with thought because not everyone should have a backstage pass to your amazing life. A quick break to talk about our sponsor, Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long-term. So all of Care Of's products are formulated with good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. Care Of is super transparent about the research and sourcing behind each one of their products and your recommendations come in daily, individually wrapped packets that are perfect for getting back into a routine. I love routines and I love how simple this is. I feel like taking vitamins, it just kind of gets a little bit confusing and overwhelming. So what I love the most about Care Of is their online quiz. So they have an in-depth five-minute online quiz. It's going to ask you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, and health concerns to help address your specific wellness goals. Care Of's holistic online quiz is like getting a one-on-one consultation with the nutritionist all without leaving your house. I'm a homebody. I love this, okay? You can get a personally tailored approach to your unique health needs. Follow Care Of's expert recommendations or adjust your pack at any time. What you get is totally up to you. We're celebrating women this Women's History Month. As moms, partners, business owners, women have a lot on their plate. Small routines like drinking a glass of water, taking your vitamins, or even adding collagen to your morning coffee can go a long way in helping you prioritize your health and self-care. Care Of helps support you with ongoing guidance and nutrients tailored to your specific needs. You can retake the quiz as your needs change, whether that's pregnancy, aging, or changing hormones for updated recommendations whenever you want. I love that they come in individual packets. I love that it says my name on it. I love that I'm just ready to go for the day. It's such an easy thing to add to my everyday routine that really makes a difference. So for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code I love you 50. Again, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code I love you 50. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. I got a lot of questions about setting boundaries with family. So now that we're here, what are your best tips for setting boundaries with family, especially if 
it's a more hostile situation. Let's back it up a little bit. Is that what I teach in the book is I teach about proactive boundary success plans. So the way that you approach a heated conversation with someone who you have a difficult relationship with is going to be different than the way you approach a conversation with one of your closest friends, right? So we do a whole inventory of who's in your life. What is your past experience with these people been? We all know the people in our life who we love, but are super defensive. We know them, we love them still, but we know it. So we should approach them a particular way. Who are the people that if you call them out on anything, they're ragingly pissed off. We know who they are. And in the book, I make the distinction between boundary bullies, people who are endlessly kind of running their agenda over us. And if you have the disease to please, or if you were a people pleaser, it's really hard to stand up to a boundary bully because you don't know how. It's not that you don't want to. Most of the time, it's that we just don't have the language. Like the actual words in the moment just seem to be gone. You're like, I want to say something, but I don't know what to say. So before we talk about family stuff, you got to think about, so you can, we can do it right now. Think about, you want, do you want to think about someone in your life? Sure. Yes. Think about them. Okay. Okay. So tell me how they are. A little bit selfish. And I think a lot of it is immaturity, but entitled and lashes out pretty easily. Okay. So what what kind of a boundary would feel good for you with them? This is literally something I'm working through with my therapist. I think a relationship, but not necessarily the relationship they expect from me. And I don't even get that from them to begin with. Okay. So we're going to first say, you're going to make a distinction about what kind of a relationship you would like. So I'm intuiting, I could be wrong, but I doubt it, that their their expectation is if they reach to you, they expect you to get back right away. Even if you reach to them, they may not do the same thing. Is it kind of like that? Yes, exactly. Okay. I knew it. I yep. tell. I'm looking at your face. <laughs> so th- this is what we're going to do. We're not going to worry about what someone else thinks what someone else, what what they imagine the relationship to be, that is their side of the street. What you think, what you want the relationship to be is your side of the street. So we're just going to, right now, you and me, we're just going to handle your side of the street. You're going to write down, you don't have to do it this moment because we're doing this, but when we're done, you're going to write down what kind of a relationship you want. And I want you, because in, in the book itself and in all the things I teach, we do a lot of inventories. So we do a relationship inventory so we can start to identify who are the people that we have a difficult relationship with when it comes to boundaries. Now, that doesn't mean it's them. And it doesn't mean we're saying it's them, right? It could be because we're worried because we're codependent kind of by nature. We're worried that they're going to be hurt. We're worried that they're going to be mad. And you said this person can be a little emotionally immature, that they're going to lash out. And we want to avoid all of that. So we are naturally what I call auto-accommodating, right? So think about what that means. You get what I'm saying. We do it in our mind and then our behavior just follows where we're like, you know what, if I tell them no, then it's going to be a whole friggin' thing. So forget it. I'm just going to do the thing, get it over with. But if you want to become a boundary boss and become fluent in the language of boundaries, we can't just do the short term thing, which is pleasing other people, because ultimately you end up bitter, 
you end up angry. You know, as I like to say, that's a one, that's a one way ticket to bitter town because it's the only place that train can possibly go. There's only so long that we can suck it up. And here's the thing. A lot of times people don't even know we're sucking it up. Like we're like, after all I've done for Betty, what a, she is an ingrate Betty, just so entitled. Betty doesn't even know that you're sucking it up because you're not being truthful. So you're going to imagine that you would like a less connected and you would like to feel less obligated in this relationship. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So I want you to understand that your sense of obligation comes from you and that you have trained this person who we're just going to call Betty to behave the way they are because you've gone along with it. So now we're going to do a new boundary dance and Betty's going to notice but we're going to do it baby steps at a time. We don't need to like be going into Betty and being like, there's a new boundary sheriff in town, Betty. Like (laughs) that's not necessary because the truth is your behavior is the thing that is going to literally show this person how it's going to be. So the next time they get in touch with you, do not get back to them right away. You don't have to like all of these things. I promise you baby steps can be profoundly impactful without you feeling like you have to be like, Betty, we have to talk. Like it may not be necessary at all. And eventually, most likely, if Betty is kind of demanding and entitled, she's going to say, what's up with you? Like, what, what are you? What's going on with you? And you can say, what do you mean? Well, why, why did it take you three days to get back to me? Because I was busy. And here's the thing. Don't expect an immediate response from me. I got something going else going on in my life. And, and you can either say that or not. But here's the thing. Just not doing the behavior that is out of line with your true feeling is step one. You've got to stop giving Betty bad intel about what's okay with you because you don't, you don't want to be on call for Betty or to be there when she needs you, when she's really not there for you. She should not be in your VIP section. So the way that we relegate people to the other parts of the club that are completely lovely, it's not like we're making them be in like the garbage can. They're, they're just not, they're just not going to have that much access because it's your life. It's your emotional energy. It's your time we're going to slowly but surely stop behaving in ways that mislead Betty to think you're besties when you don't feel that way. Does that make sense? Yes. So would you regularly recommend that approach over having a conversation up front? Yes. You know why? Because how about stop colluding with the lowest instinct in Betty or stop dialing into Betty's reality and pretending it's your reality, when you start slowly being more honest about the way you feel and what you want, people understand you. You want to have more respect from Betty because it sounds like Betty's a bit of a a boundary bully. Your behavior must be aligned with how you feel. If you want to have a conversation, but my, my feeling is honestly, as a therapist for all these years, your actions, the part of you that's afraid to do it though, Kenzie, really wants to have the conversation. You know why? Because you're like, I could have the conversation, get it over with. Then Betty is going to change her behavior and I don't have to deal with it. 
but that's not how it works. You have a conversation with someone who is a boundary bully, which of course in the book and in life, I teach people how to do that. But what we're talking about right now, I say you start by changing your behavior. Stop saying yes when you want to say no to this particular person. Just say no. And if it's hard to say no, let's go into that for a sec, because I've got some really good uh, tips and strategies about the beginning of saying no, because you find it difficult. And do you think that perhaps your listeners or viewers find it difficult to Mm -hmm. say no? For sure. Definitely. Because that was me too in my twenties. We're going to, before we just start no, no, knowing all over town, if you've been a yes person, that's going to be too hard and it's too big of a leap. We start by buying time. So what I call, we just got to stop the auto yes. We just got to stop the auto yes. So I give you tons of scripts to buy time. So if the person says, hey, we're doing something Saturday night, Uh, we want you to come and you know already because of the person who is asking you, you definitely don't want to do it. You can say, oh, hey, I need to check in with Dom and see what we're doing. I need to look at our joint calendar. I need to check in with whoever you got to check in with. (laughs) You know, I actually have tentative plans with my sister, but I'll let you know. Because here's the thing, when you can stop the auto yes, you're halfway to no, you really are. It's the instinct. It is literally the reaction that we're stopping by buying time. And I have all kinds of really great, great scripts to use. Even something kind of funny, like, you know, I'm a no to Saturday, but I'm always a yes to you, my friend, if that's true, right? Mm -hmm. Not, not, I mean, we're not going to say that to Betty if that's not true, but there's ways to say no, that still feel very loving. And yet if you don't say no, when you feel no a lot, what you're really doing is you're, you're canceling out all of these places where you should be saying yes to you, to your heart's desire, to the relationships that actually feed you, nourish you, fill you up. People pleasing is so not satisfying and we can be loving, compassionate, empathic, and literally not be a people pleaser. Like I've said, if I have a glowy, bouncy complexion, I'm pretty much completely good to go, no makeup needed. But it can be confusing and expensive to achieve that. The Inky List knows that skincare is personal and can be confusing, but they are a brand that is passionate and committed to empowering people with knowledge to find the right skincare ingredients for your brightest skin. I've been using their hyaluronic acid and it's my new go-to skincare product. It is so good if you want the bouncy skin look without breaking the bank. It's seriously $7.99. That is insane. Having that bright, glowy looking complexion is a skincare goal I want to be able to achieve all year round, not just in those warm summer months. The Inky List knows that skincare is personal and can be confusing. They are a brand that is passionate and committed to empowering people with knowledge to find the right skincare ingredients for your brightest skin. I'm always excited about new ingredients in skincare. And when I heard about the Sim Bright Moisturizer from the Inky List for dewy, illuminated skin, I needed to know more. The Silky Daily Moisturizer containing 0.5% Sim Bright works to help brighten and improve the appearance of uneven skin tone whilst also optimizes skin's moisture and hydration levels. The moisturizer also contains some other amazing ingredients for a bright illuminated complexion, including 2% cockadoo plum extract, which is rich in vitamin C that instantly boosts skin's radiance and luminosity and 1% red algae complex that provides long lasting moisture and hydration to the skin without that oily feeling. 
Want to know more? Just hashtag Ask Inky 24-7 via live chat on their website or DM them on social media at The Inky List and one of their skincare coaches will be able to answer all of your questions and help you create a skincare recipe for your brightest skin. Get the glow your skin has been looking for with The Inky List Sim Bright Moisturizer available to shop now on theinkylist.com. It kind of reminds me of the saying, you can't have love without truth and truth without love as far as, you know, setting boundaries and not enabling someone. Because I think when you let things go on for too long or when I've noticed I've let things go on for too long in my personal life, I'm noticing like I didn't, not only did I not set up myself for success, I didn't do that for that person either. And when they continuously almost get rewarded for that behavior, they're just going to take that with them into the next relationship, friendship, whatever that is. And so that's another thing too, where I've become very big on boundaries. I think I was a part of something that required a lot of me for a long time And that was really when I got super into boundaries, a mentor of mine, actually, there's a bunch of books that she recommended to me and we would talk about it all the time. And I'm like, it's really hard. You know, people ask a lot about how to say no in the workplace. And while I've mainly worked for myself in this setting, I was under other people and I didn't feel like I was able to say no because I had kind of signed up for it. It was something that I was there for, but I did feel that people were being taken advantage of for their time. So if people are in a workplace setting, how do they set boundaries with leadership or maybe even other coworkers? Well, part of it is you have to think about it because boundaries don't set themselves. And if you're not conscious, right, the first pillar of, I have five pillars of self-mastery. The first one is self-awareness because you can't change anything you're in denial of or that you're not consciously aware of. So you have to look and go, okay, something as stressful is happening at work. What are the interactions? Who are the players? So you start to go, okay, so I see my immediate superior, let's say, or I work with someone who's always kind of dumping their stuff onto me, asking me to do things that are out of my purview or not my job or or their job. But I'm now staying late because I said yes, because I couldn't say no. So you have to identify. So you do that same similar kind of an inventory where you identify like, okay, who are the boundary bullies at this office? And how am I dysfunctionally relating to setting limits and talking truthfully? Now, the truth that would be appropriate for you to say to a boss, of course, is not the same truth as a coworker, and it's not the same truth as someone, a personal relationship, and not the same truth as a subordinate. So part of it is you have to understand that there are appropriate ways to interact. And if indeed you agreed to, you know, you sign on for something, be super clear before you get into it as to what the expectations are going to be. And there, there are ways that you can start, you know, sign up for a class that starts at six o'clock on Tuesday nights. And you can say, oh, Tuesday night is my wine tasting class or whatever. And have a life outside of that place and see if you have something more structural, if, if that is helpful. But I think you got to gather information first and then start with the, the least important people. So I always say we start with lower priority people because it's kind of easier to set a boundary with your mail carrier than it is your boss. 
right? Or, or your, your partner, your lover, your, your, you know, whoever your significant other or your best friend. So we start with, so let's say it's a coworker, have it be a coworker, maybe that you don't like that much and start there because we're less impacted. If that person doesn't like it, even though if you have the disease to please, we don't want anyone to be mad, but we really don't want the people in our inner circle to be mad or to reject us. So you start with that and figure out what is the situation and then you want to be able to handle it amongst yourselves to the best of your ability. But it is important that you understand the rules and regulations of where you work because there's an HR department for a reason and there are rules and regulations. So do all of that footwork kind of first because sometimes it's just a culture that's not going to match with you. If it's, a, if you know, some people work on Wall Street or some people, even when I was an, um, a talent agent, right? People just worked all the time. Like there was no at life outside of that life, you know? And that was like normal people going back to work and being like, I'm working at 9 PM. You know, if you don't want to be signed on for that, then look at the culture and be like, Hmm, I don't know that I'm going to change this system. Maybe I need to get out of here, but you can at least try and you don't need to be run over by a coworker. Like that's, that's not necessary. And it, again, in the book, I have all kinds of, and I probably have some, I can tell you right now, on this paper with all my thousands of notes that I said I didn't need. Um, (laughs) Let's say if we're talking about time boundaries, right? And you want to say no to something, you can always start with thanks for thinking of me, but I, I can't make it at this time, right? When we were talking about before, like how to say no to people, I can't come to the event this weekend, right? Or I can come and only stay for an hour. You tell the people, you say to the person you work with, actually, I don't have the bandwidth to take that on for you as I have done in the past. And you don't really apologize because it's not your job, but you can say, you know, but good luck. (laughs) Like it's not your job, but there's, there's nothing that we can do in place of drawing an appropriate boundary or setting an appropriate limit. The language is going to have to reflect that you're no longer doing Bob's work. Like you're going to have to get there. There's no way around that, but there is a way to do it. That doesn't have to be hostile right? If you waited too long and you're now a volcano, that's on you. So talk about it with a friend first, write it out. But the real key, and this is all I care about, is that you stop doing things that make you bitter. If it makes you bitter, I promise you, you need a boundary. A hundred percent. That is so good. I want to talk about codependency. And I was looking into some of your work and you were talking about codependency as a spectrum. How do you identify codependency? I think we all deal with it in different ways, but how do you identify it as this is a problem that I need to work on? Well, it's a relational problem, right? It's how we relate to the people in our lives. So if you are overly invested in the feeling states, the decisions, and the outcomes of the people in your life to the detriment of your own life or your own emotional state. And I say that because, listen, when we love people, of course, we're invested in how they feel and what they're doing and what happens in their life. That's just love. But if we do it to the point where it's detrimental to our own life, if we, we give our advice, you know, they didn't even ask us, but we're endlessly giving advice and fixing people. That's another codependent trait. And then we're like pissed because they didn't take our advice. That's a codependent trait. If you're in relationships that are unbalanced, meaning 
there's more focus on one person. Like you're dancing as fast as you can to make sure the other person has everything that they need. If they, if something happens, let's say codependency is like this. If you're home and your significant other or your roommate comes in, but it's significant other is definitely for sure. You're in a fine mood. Everything is great. And they come in and they're in a terrible mood and they're stomping around. If your good mood goes out the door and you immediately go into how can I fix it mode? And I don't mean being normal and saying, I'm sorry, babe, it sounds like you had a crappy day. What can I do? Do you want a, some tea? Do you want a glass of wine? Do you want to talk about it? That's being normal, right? That That is healthy show of concern. And if my person is still like in a stompy, bad mood, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you some time. I'm going to go in the other room, do my thing. But if you want to talk, I'm here, right? So we don't have to take it on if there's nothing to fix. So that's another thing. If you don't hold on to your good mood, because what's happening to them actually legitimately feels like it's happening to you. That's how urgent their situation feels. That's codependency. And if you're wondering, how can I know where I am codependent? What, what would be the dead giveaway? Look at how resentful you feel. Because if you're in a really codependent relationship and you're the one who's doing the bulk of the emotional labor and all the other crap that no one sees, you will absolutely feel resentful and you'll feel like um, very underappreciated. Like, I cannot believe that those people would not do whatever for me after everything I've done for them. Wow, that is such bull crap. Like, I cannot believe it. So those are some ways. I don't know if I, if that was clear enough to, or is that yeah. clear? No, that was really good. How do you move on from, from being codependent to being more independent? Well, it's really, honestly, it's all about deeply knowing yourself, understanding why you love in this way. I mean, it's dysfunctional, but it doesn't mean anything like something's monumentally broken in you. And especially as women, we are literally raised and praised to be self-abandoning codependents, literally not kidding. Like actually <laughs> there's like a manual that's like the more selfless you are, the more of a woman you are, the better you are. And that's all BS and it isn't true. And we're human. And to be the full expression of yourself, to be self-determined, you must know who you are. You cannot get your identity by having it reflected back to you from others. We must be sovereign, right? We must be able to assert ourselves. And, and I love passionately, and I love so many people. It's crazy. Like how many female friendships I have in my life. And I've been with my husband almost 25 years. Like you can love like, like a pro and not be actively codependent. So I think that there's an illusion sometimes where you're like, I don't know, at least this was me. I'm just a giver. I'm just generous like that. I just care so much, but I did not know until I was in therapy in my twenties and someone in my life who I loved very much, but was just a hot dumpster fire all the time. Just a, just the life, the train wreck of a life that I was endlessly trying to be like, I'm going to save her and I'm going to pay for this and I'm going to send her to school and I'm going to whatever I'm going to do. 
And my, my therapist was like, let me ask you something. What makes you think you know what Jenna should be doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? I think we can all agree that she shouldn't be in this crappy, abusive relationship with this alcoholic. I don't know. Can we agree on that? And she's like, no, because you know why? I'm not God. How do you know what lessons she's supposed to learn in this life? You don't. She's like, you know, the truth is her mess of a life makes you extremely uncomfortable and puts you in pain. So Tara, what you really want is you want your pain to end. And I was like, oh my God, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. And then (laughs) she goes on to say, I was like, wait, so if I don't save her from herself, am I not a terrible friend? And she's like, dude, it's not even possible for you to do. That's all an illusion of control that you have. How about have respect for your friend? support her in a real way. Like, I love you. And I know you'll figure it out because PS, you're the only one who can. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to have her in your life because she's in an abusive relationship, which that was my big thing. Like I couldn't listen to her continue talking about someone being physically abusive. Then I find, I finally had to draw a boundary with her that said, if you ever want help and you're ready to get out of this, I'm definitely your gal. But until then, I need to distance myself from you because I love you, but it's too painful. And I can't talk about the same thing. We've been talking about this for four years. This person has been like this since the second you met them. Why are you surprised when they act like an idiot, when they're abusive, when they're mean to you? You're not going to believe what they did. No, you're the only person not believing it. I believed it from day one and was terrified that you were going to stay with them. And And actually, only nine months later, she came to me and was like, hi. I'm ready to get out when I help. And she's been out and sober ever since. And that was many moons ago. So. Wow. That's an incredible story, especially what your therapist said to you. That's not, you know, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves, especially as women, like we were saying to almost save everyone and take care of everyone in our lives. And it's just not our jobs at the end of the day. And it's also not what's best for the other, the other person involved, the third party. It's a totally different way of thinking, but I also, I think that's, I don't know, that's really incredible. I want to talk a little bit about the mother wound with you. I got a lot of questions about this in my Instagram ask box and I was listening to your podcast or one of your podcasts on it. I thought it was so interesting because we hear all the time about, you know, quote, daddy issues and things like that. And I never heard someone really talk about the mother wound. Can you expand on that? Sure. I can expand on what it is. And it's actually incredibly common. I just created um, a course on it because so many women in my crew are like, this is so painful. So the mother wound is basically anyone who has a difficult relationship with their mother, right? Some people have a difficult relationship. I don't talk just about like the extreme mother wound with abandoning, abusive, negligent mothers. I believe that because all of our And I call them maternal impactors because not everyone had a mother per se, but you might've had a foster mom or you might've had an aunt who raised you. So maternal impactors, listen, they were all human and they all made mistakes. And depending on us and the way that we're wired, those mistakes or those failings leave scars that we have to deal with. So from a traditional sense, there's two ways of looking at the mother wound. One is the, the wounds when you have a rejecting or an unloving mother. What happens, and we're talking about even young, 
in your life that part of mothering, one of the functions of mothering is reflecting back to a child, right? We, they have a need and we are attuned to what the child needs. If you're a present mom, if you're not on drugs, if you're not abusive or absent, if you're not, if you didn't die, sometimes people have mother wounds because their moms died when they were little kids. So a lot of times it's not even through neglect or abuse. It can just be your life circumstance that creates it. But if you don't get this mirroring, think about the way when you look at a baby, right? If a baby is crying naturally, what do you do? Oh, oh, what's the matter? Like the moment, if a kid is smiling, you're like, oh, look how happy you are. Like naturally, if you had good mirroring and mothering in your young years, it is the most natural thing in the world to do it for children. If you didn't, it may not be. And if you don't get it, you end up with an insecure sense of self. It's like an unstable sense of self, as opposed to being like, you know, I'm finding out who I am in my young life, right? Nobody in their early 20s is like, hey, I know exactly who I am. But your sense of self is consistent. Even if you're confused, your sense of being valuable in some way, if you were well-loved as a small child and in your childhood, you, you have some idea that you have inherent worth. If you didn't get that, and that's one of the biggest outcomes of having a mother wound, is that you're really not sure that you're worthy of having deeply satisfying relationships or being considered. So it keeps the cycle of abuse going a lot of times. So there's many things that you can do. A lot of people talk about the systemic sort of mother wound being women, patriarchal society, you know, ways that we've been marginalized over the zillions of years. I talk less about that simply because I'm a, I'm a licensed psychotherapist and that definitely impacts it, but I'm really interested in, like, let's say you, your particular wound and helping you or anyone listening or anyone in my courses figure that out. So yes, we talk about the greater thing, but I'm definitely more dialed into, I created a course that made, makes it, I'm not going to say easy because something can be simple and not easy and working on the mother wound. It can be very triggering for people because we also come from a mother worshiping culture, which is so interesting because it's a culture that is, you know, marginalized the crap out of women for thousands of years. And if you, if anyone is like, Hey, I, I don't talk to my mother, let's say people are like, you only have one mother. You're going to regret it. You're like, you know what, Betty, shut up. You have no idea. Trust me. I'm some people, if you have a really mean and unloving mother, you're friggin' psyched. You only have one. And so it's lonely, right? It's lonely to, to not to have what you see sometimes your friends have. You're like, what is wrong with me? Well, I feel like I've had clients say, what value do I have when my own mother doesn't love me? So it's painful. Now, not fatal, all right? Nothing's fatal. We can always make it, we can always get healthier and heal and learn but it's very important to understand that you're not alone in if you had a mean, rejecting, abusive, punitive, I could keep going, um, maternal experience, you are so not alone. That is just so interesting to me, especially what you said about how we have a mother worshiping culture and then look at how women have been treated over the years. I've never even thought about it like that, but that is such a good point 
Thank you so much for coming on today. I loved having you on. I loved our conversation. Um, where can they find you and your book? You can find me at terrycole.com and I'm giving you guys a gift and there'll be a link to the book in, in the gift link too um, because I want everybody listening or watching, I want you to figure out your own boundary baseline so that you know where to start. So I created an amazing quiz. It's only 13 questions, but there's six different types of boundary styles. And you're gonna know which one yours is at the end of that, and then I'll give you some steps to take. So to find that, you're gonna go to boundaryboss.me forward slash I-L-Y-S-M for I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you guys are going to absolutely love it. I had so much fun. I like want you to be my, my millennial counterpart. I mean, you are a millennial, right? Technically I'm Gen Z actually. I just oh hit the God. cutoff. I know it's crazy. I thought I was a millennial for years. Finding that out was not a good day for me. Yep. <laughs> so you could be my Gen Z connection and just let me know what, what do women of this age need we should do a whole show on what I wish I knew at your age. Yeah, that's a really great idea. I'm so down. Me too. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for what you do. I love your show and I love what you're putting out there in the world, Kenzie. That is it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. As always, I post episodes every Thursday morning. So be sure to subscribe so you guys can stay up to date. If you liked today's episode, please give it a nice little rating and review. You guys can find me on Instagram at Kinsey Elizabeth. We also have an Instagram for the podcast, a Facebook group, and a newsletter. So everything will be in the description. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and I will talk to you next week.